some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin, presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us once again. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can find me there. So this is going to be a little bit of a briefer opening segment because I've got my good buddy Jeff Schwartz. He's going to join me for the rest of the program, but he couldn't get here basically until about 10 after or so. So we would have probably let off with him. But a lot of Jeff coming up. We're going to talk all about his thoughts on the Titans, which many of you have already seen and he's written about as well. We're going to get into all the playoff matchups, the divisional round this weekend, all the coaching hires, just a ton of NFL. Just sit back and enjoy this. We're just going to gorge on pro football. So I'm going to talk to you here for a few minutes before we bring in Jeff. Tom Brady's kind of the story right now. I know there's hires out there, and I'll talk to Jeff about those, including the Panthers, where he lives in Charlotte. Uh, David Tepper opening up the checkbook and bringing in Matt Rule and what that means and how he feels about that. But the Brady situation is relentlessly interesting, and we knew it was going to be the second that the Patriots were eliminated from the playoffs, whether or not that was going to be the Titans or whether or not that was going to be someone else. I don't think many of us thought they were going to win the Super Bowl, even though, look, I said on Friday, the question that I asked and I took phone calls on was, why not Tennessee? Why not you? Why not your football team is the one that maybe puts an end to the dynasty because a lot of times dynasties don't go out in a blaze of glory or great stories don't because you don't get to write the ending necessarily that you want if you don't walk away on top because it's hard to walk away on top. John Elway did it. Michael Jordan couldn't. There are guys that are such competitors that they have to keep on playing until they're dragged off or they don't understand because here's the thing. You don't know when your high point is. You don't know when you've peaked and you're on the way down. You might sense that it's coming to an end, but you have to almost get lucky. Tom Brady still thinks he can win. He may not think he can win in New England with the talent that's currently around them, but he still thinks he can win. And he's not the reason that they lost on Saturday night. There are a couple of reasons they lost. The main one is they don't have weapons, but the other one is Tennessee's pretty good, which is why I said, yeah, they can The reason I didn't pick them to is because they haven't been there before. So I thought if all other things ended up being equal, I would take them at home, meaning the Patriots, with that quarterback and that coach and that building where they have an 841 win percentage since it opened. I would take them. Maybe the moment was going to be too big for the Titans. But I said, honestly, they should win because Tennessee is a more talented roster. I mean, I'm not saying Tannehill's more talented than Brady, although right now the margin is very, very 
slim because Tannehill's playing out of his mind and Brady's still Brady. He's still got the mind for it. I didn't see him throwing a ton of terrible balls. One thing I want to tell you about the uh, about the idea that Tom Brady is somehow done. And he said on his I guess it was Twitter earlier this morning that he feels he's got he's still got a lot more to prove, which is insane because no he doesn't. But that tells you his mindset is I still want to play football. Tom Brady didn't look too bad when Antonio Brown was out there that week. He didn't look too bad when Josh Gordon was out there. You know? There were three things that happened in this game that were so very unpatriotic-like. And I don't mean against the country. I mean, just so unpatriot. Probably the biggest one was Julian Edelman dropping that second down pass on the left side in the second half. That came after Vrabel out Belichick Belichick, if you want to say that. And there are differing opinions as to whether or not that was smart because of the scenario in the game. I understood what Vrabel was doing, but they were up a point. A field goal could have beaten them. If El- if Edelman catches that pass, they need 25, 30 yards max to get to get into field goal range. So that was, it paid off, but it could have backfired. It didn't, but it could have. But that was incredibly just unpatriot. There were a number of moments. Belichick even made a couple of decisions that seemed very unpatriot in this game. They seemed to be the ones that were looking up at the clock. Brady seemed to be the one that was exasperated. How unpatriot is it to see Tom Brady on the sidelines warming up to come into the game in the fourth quarter for what might be the last time he's on the field in that game? And he has that killer instinct look on his face, but he can't get that across to anybody else on the field. There was a piece written by Scott Kazmar, Football Outsiders, which I quoted last week where they said that at this point, the Patriots offense almost has to rely on trick plays and gadgets to score touchdowns. And we saw that is exactly what happened. Edelman lined up in the slot. Hey, Julian, you're supposed to be in the slot. You're supposed to be in the slot. And it was all, you know, smoke and mirrors to get him to run across, hand him the ball, and then go in on that sweep. That is the kind of stuff that they are having to do to score touchdowns in New England. And that's not because Tom Brady's all of a sudden a bad quarterback. I think Phillip Rivers is done. I think that you can use the term corpse, that that's going to be a descriptor you're going to hear next year about wherever Phillip Rivers is, is here's the corpse of Phillip Rivers. I know that sounds morbid, but that's just a sports sports analogy that you hear frequently. Drew Brees didn't look very good on Sunday in the loss for the Saints against the Vikings, but I'm not ready to go there with him just yet. Tom Brady is not on that cliff. I have used the Price is Right analogy before. He is going up towards the top. He's near the top, but I don't think he's about to fall off. Maybe when he does, it's going to be awful. And if I'm some team out there, I'm not going to give him the farm to come in for any kind of extended time. But the truth of the matter is, I'm not going to be able to do that anyway because he's still going to be a New England Patriot. Because ultimately, Robert Kraft is going to decide. Now, I think maybe Belichick might want to go somewhere else, might want to look at some other option, but Robert Kraft's going to say Tom Brady's our quarterback. And Tom Brady's going to realize there's not really a better situation out there for him. Does he really want to go to play for the Chargers who just sold 25,000 season tickets? Does he want to go to the Bears where they don't have a lot of offensive weapons either? Indianapolis where he's so hated. I've had Colts fans and friends of mine in the media up there or formerly in the media up there that told me no way he'll ever come here because this is Brett Favre to the Vikings times a thousand because of how much the Colts fans hate him from the Manning-Brading time. 
maybe that's the case. The Colts was the only place I saw where maybe he could go in because they would build around him. But they also don't pay a lot. Not that Brady's ever been a money guy. But I think what he's going to do is he's going to say, give me some weapons and let's take one more shot at this. Let's take one more shot at number seven. And then maybe he rides off into the sunset after that. He'll be 43 by the time training camp opens. But the big story is that the Titans are still playing football and the Patriots are not. And the Titans earned it. Derrick Henry is a beast. I said on Twitter, and I am very, very bearish as it relates to paying running backs in 2019, but I would find a way to pay him. I'm not paying him $80 million, but there is a number there that I would easily hand him because I just see him as different than a lot of these other backs. Maybe I'm crazy. A lot of people are jumping out of their seats right now not to pay him. If you see the national media, that's where they are right now. That's not how I feel about it. What I'm seeing, I would hand that man his money, period. When we come back, a guy that he made a little bit of money in the NFL, Jeff Schwartz, he'll be with me for the rest of the program, and I will ask him all the Titans questions that you want him to answer. We'll do it next. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. I'm Jason Martin. We are in 2020 fully at this point. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. If you listen to The Zone all day, as we know you do, before the wake-up zone starts, I'll kick the coverage with Clay Travis is on. When he's out, I'm usually in, and I'm usually not alone. I'm with this guy. He played in the offensive line for eight years in the NFL. His name is Jeff Schwartz. His brother is still in the league and still playing football with the Kansas City Chiefs, playing against the Texans. We'll talk about that game, but... Nashville loves you, Jeff. How are you doing? Uh, every fan base hates me, so it works out very well. Um, you know, the thing about it is that, like, I just apply the same common sense for everything I talk about in the NFL. That's why all the fan bases dislike me. Um, but, uh, no, uh, I just I tell it like it is, and it, it really it really upsets people. And uh, God, Titans fans upset. My favorite part, by the way, of most of most tour discussions is, like, I, this was Monday, right? We talked about this Monday. Yeah. And then I didn't talk about it yesterday. I haven't talked about it today. And then I get a tweet like today from a Titans fan that's showing the highlights of the defense saying like, oh, Jeff Schwartz, are we allowed to be excited about this? And I was like, first of all, I, was, I talked about the offense only. I never said you can't be excited. And good attempt, but you failed. <laughs> like, like, they, like, they, they try to get me days later. It never works. So – you sent me a message a couple of days ago. You're like, Titans fans are a little out of control right now. And they're feeling it. There's no question about that. And I'm usually kind of caught in the middle. I'm a little bit more negative than some of the media, media personnel here in Nashville have been. I was, I was off the Mariota train a long time before most people were. And I've been – I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. And, you know, Pittsburgh not having a quarterback helped. And they got on a streak. And Tannehill played very well. And they gave the ball to Derrick Henry – and the defense did enough, even though they weren't particularly stellar in the last four to six weeks of the season. But your non-belief in the Titans begins with the quarterback, right? It begins with you not believing Tannehill is somebody that needs to be paid big money this offseason. Well, yeah, but, I mean, historically speaking, paying Ryan Tannehill would be a, a big failure. I mean, we, we've rarely seen a quarterback who was, you know, you know, maybe in, in Miami he had a year, I think, where he was about average, but pretty much has been below average, below replacement for his entire career, coming to a new situation like this and be the same player 
next year, right? I mean, it just seems like that's, that doesn't happen uh, very often in NFL history. And I think they showed on Saturday night why that's the case. And this is my thing with, with how people were talking about the Titans, is you're saying you're basically focusing all your attention on the running game, but it didn't produce a lot of offense. Like you had 14 points. You scored on two of nine possessions. So if your idea is, well, this is great for our future of our, you know, of the team, and this is why we won the game, you did not win the game by rushing the football. And trust me, I'm an offensive lineman. I like watching the film. The Titans' offensive line played great. You know, Henry was obviously good, but to win multiple playoff games, you have to produce an offense. And, and also the way people talked about it that said that, well, this is what Vrabel wanted to do. I guarantee you Vrabel didn't want to score 14 points in New England, right? Um, yeah. I guarantee you that he wanted to hit home runs. And, and I think it's hard for people to, to wrap their heads around the idea that um, Belichick not allowed them to run, but he was fine with them doing it based off a of defense he played, which is what he did all night. He, put, he had two safeties most of the game, at least after the first drive, which tells you that he was afraid of the play-action pass, which makes sense because the play-action pass under Tannehill has been really good. And so would you be more worried about a play that averages 13 yards uh, a reception or a play that averages five? Well, the thirteen, right? And so it's hard for people to understand that, that the Titans' offense kind of played into what the Patriots' defense wanted to do. And what we're missing all of this is that the defense, Titans' defense, played well. Mm-hmm. And we're glossing over the defense who, and I watched the films, I wrote a piece on the Patriots' offense, uh, the defense was very prepared. They were in the right spot at the right time. Uh, the Patriots did make a lot of mistakes offensively. They dropped some passes. Brady missed a couple balls. But the goal line stand was, was pretty impressive uh, with Evans making those plays. And even knowing, you know, New England has run the same plays on that, you know, on the goal line for 18 years now. Um, and they just, they typically just out execute you. And the Titans did a great job. So I just, I don't really understand the way people are talking about this game um, and what it means for Baltimore. And so that's, that was the only pushback is like, do we really, are we really that excited for scoring 14 points? I can't be excited to beat the Patriots. I get all that, but you know, yeah, Dennis Henry was great, but you scored, you only scored 14 points. It's not going to win you a lot of games in the NFL. Well, I'm trying to think about it from the perspective of a fan base that has just not had a whole lot to cheer for in a long period of time. They go on the road. The weather's not great. It's not as bad as it could have been, but it's not great. And they are the aggressors. The Patriots never felt like the aggressors in the game. I don't know exactly. Maybe you can explain this to me. Why did they go away from throwing to the running backs? The screen game early and throwing yeah. the White and Burkhead, I thought that was going to be a much bigger part of what they were doing, and it seems like they almost completely abandoned it in the second half. I'm not sure if did Tennessee shut it down and adjusted to it, or if they just stopped doing it, but it just disappeared. Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure why they got away from it. You know, what my, basically the the point of my article is, um, you know, the the page article basically um, is. You know, when you have a failure on one side of the ball, it's typically not just one player, unless, it, you know, a quarterback can obviously suck. And it's typically not really a play caller at times. It's kind of a lack of faith in, in, um, in the entire operation. And so, you know, for example, if you watch the game, um, you know, one play, the fullback screwed up. It's in front of the Patriots offense. Yeah. The one play, the, the fullback who's playing, you know, who's a linebacker is playing fullback. He has, has a mess up. 
And then the next play, it's the right tackle. And then it's the wide receiver. And then it's another wide receiver. That's Tom Brady. That's the left guard. And so when you continually have mistakes like this, where you can't game plan around your weaknesses, then you become an offense that's not very comfortable and not very confident. So your play caller doesn't get in good rhythm. So, you know, they call a third and one dive to the fullback, right? They had a play action pass against too high, which they used to never do because too high is, is hard to, to play, you know, play action against. You run the football against too high. And so little things like that. So I think to your point about the, the wide receiver, I mean, the, the running back screens is that you just, you just, you kind of just forget your, you lose your identity throughout the game and, and throughout the season. I think the, the Patriots kind of rightfully so had identity issues throughout the entire season, and it really played a role in them losing this Titans game. Jeff, when you – I saw your tweet right after the game, and it's the one that I kind of jokingly said, I just wanted to get some Nashville in your mentions tonight, and you laughed about that. But you basically said that these two games, and I don't know if you have looked at it differently or if you still feel the same way, that we are barreling down Chiefs-Ravens, which is what a lot of people I think wanted – uh, at least from mid-season on, and you don't think either one of these two games is going to be particularly close. No. Do you still feel that way? No, I, I, yeah, I still feel that way. Um, you know, the Chiefs game very quickly. Um, you know, throw game, throw week six out. Right, the Chiefs were down like four starters, right. and they're just better teams. And I think that, you know, I think in division it makes sense to compare earlier results. Right, like okay, the Titans, you know, beat the, beat the Colts. Um, you know, they play again. How was the first game? But it feels like with, with, uh, you know, opponents outside division, it doesn't make much sense to do those comparisons because the, the teams change a lot and they've changed here. So Chiefs are off a of bye. They're, the Texans are starting good. I mean, they have a negative point differential. They're just, they're going to get blown out. Um, so as far as the Ravens and Titans, and I'm, I'm writing an article, uh, I'll start it actually probably after this about how each team can, can win their game as underdog. And really the, the Titans, Game plan has got to be you hit home runs with AJ Brown, which is exactly what the, the the Patriots try to take away. But you know, but the Ravens run a ton of man coverage, and they blitz a lot, so there'll be more opportunity for Ryan Tannehill to hit some of these deep shots to AJ Brown and really make the Ravens the Ravens pay. But my thing is, is I think people are undervaluing how good the Ravens' offense is. Mm-hmm. There's a big idea that they're going to be rusty this weekend. Um, if there was a timing-based offense. I would say, sure, the rust could be an issue, but this is a pound-you-in-the-face offense. Like, they, they don't need to get in a rhythm to run the football. Like, they, like the offensive linemen are going to be geared up and ready to go and ready to pounce on the Titans as soon as possible. And I think that that, to me, is a concern if you're a Titans fan, is, you know, the Titans are going to feel, feel good about themselves, and they're facing an offense that's just much better than the Patriots. I think they come out really fast, um, in this game, do, do the Rams? You know, the, the the Titans are kind of forced to play from behind, and I don't know if that's really the, the place they want to be in. How'd you feel about Vrabel out Belichicking Belichick, or that's how Robert Mays, <laughs> the ringer, put it, with yeah. the, drowning out that minute, minute forty-five yeah. off that clock? Um, it was good, but you know, it, it almost backfired. Yeah, right? it was, I mean, it was a little bit. It, that, yeah, if, if Julian Edelman catches that pass, yes. I mean, the, the Patriots are, are, are past the fifty because I think he catches it at the forty-five with with a lot of a lot of room to spare there. He gets past the you know gets over the fifty, and now you're looking at the Patriots needing about three plays, you know, three good good twenty-five plays. yards or so probably gets them in field goal range. And, and, and you know, you know, and, you know I, I would actually imagine that, that they would have thrown a screen. I know we talked about screens. Yeah, that would have been a great time to screen them because it would have been a two-minute drill. 
the Titans defense a little tired, um, and they lose the game because they don't have an opportunity you know, to get the ball back. So it was interesting to do that. I'm not sure that that was the right time to do it. It worked out in the end, um, but it felt like a, at the, in the moment a little bit too cute. Uh, but I will say it was kind of funny seeing Belichick so angry because, dude, you, you, you did this. Like, you yeah, know, to the Jets. Who taught you know, everyone, you know, everyone, everyone who taught everyone this loophole. So, like, well, how can you be, how can you be upset if you, if you had never mentioned it, it never would have happened? We got more with my good buddy Jeff Schwartz on Twitter at Jeff Schwartz coming up next here on 104.5 The Zone. So. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone, brought to you by Renters Warehouse. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. Joined for the rest of the program by my good friend Jeff Schwartz, who played in the NFL for eight years on the offensive line. My usual partner in crime on Fox Sports Radio when Clay Travis is out. You hear that before the wake-up zone. He's on Twitter, at Jeff Schwartz. Paying running backs doesn't make a lot of sense in 2019. It has not paid off for most of the people that have done it. I did tweet out, I would find a way to pay Derrick Henry. What do you think Derrick Henry is worth right now based on what he's doing and the offense he's in? I don't know, man. I mean, I, there is a bad history of paying running backs a lot of money. There really is. And, um, you know, what happens if Arthur Smith leaves after a year and gets a head coaching gig, right? Like, what if you don't, what if you can't find yourself? Or what if Ken Hill, you know, doesn't really pan out and you can, you, you know, you can go get yourself another quarterback? I just, I don't see the value. And look, trust me, I, I love running backs, man. I play with Adrian Peterson, Jamal Charles, and, and double trouble in Carolina with, with Angel Williams on this. Like, I love running backs, but if you just look at the game, the value just, right, you're, you're paying, you know, Todd Gurley, you're paying Zeke Elliott. Um, what, what value, you know, you're, you're not, you're not winning, you're not in the playoffs even this year. So I just, I don't see it, man. I, it does not make sense to me. And I, I just, I would not, I would not do it. I understand why you, you, you know, not you, but, you know, the fans would think that. I, I know, I know you, you, you know, my argument is, is valid, but, um, the thing about the NFL, and you know this, Jason, is that the best teams do not get emotionally attached to players. Right. Right. That's true. The Patriots are this forever. The Eagles are doing this now. Um, you know, the, the emotional attachment would have been, you know, let's just keep Nick Foles because, you know, it, you know, because he won us, you know, Super Bowl, right? You know, and they're like, nah, nah, Carson Wentz is more talented. Let's, you know, let's get rid of Foles. So, like the emotional attachment and being able to to pull away from that is a big reason why teams are successful in the NFL. And so the Titans have really got to look hard this offseason at you know not being emotionally attached to Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Do you think? I mean, if you can get them for the right number, and I don't know what that is necessarily, but I know, and I have a friend in the in, in media here that kind of looked at the numbers and said there's a sweet spot somewhere between eight and thirteen million dollars. A year working for Henry, yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood. Do you feel like if yeah, you could I mean, get him for maybe eleven, you'd take that? I think so because the Zeke's getting what fifteen, right? So yeah. you obviously, you know, the, the value. It's all about you know the, the thing about NFL and, and you know, really in any job is is trying to and NFL does this better than anyone else is is value, right? Is trying to find value for for your players, and if you look at $11 million a year, that's a lot of value in, in a player like Derrick Henry. Now, does he sign that? I don't know. I mean, someone might jump up and pay him a bunch of money. Um, but, yeah, if you get him for $11 million, you get Tannehill for 15 to 20 then, yeah, it makes sense 
to probably resign those guys. But if Derrick Henry wants 15, I don't know, someone might pay him that. You got to let him go. Well, there's a lot of guys that are going to make questions or, or make decisions on. Uh, one more question I had about the Titans, then I want to talk about some of the other games, and then the, the coaching hires is, you mentioned the offensive line played well against New England, and they did. There's no question about that. Conklin, in particular, seemed to have a better game, and he's actually played a little bit better for the last month of the season. As somebody that watches that position as closely as you do, how do you feel like that unit is performing as a whole right now as they enter this game with Baltimore? Well, they were, they were rolling up dudes the other day, I'll tell you that, man. I mean, they were, they were impressive to watch against the Patriots. They're doing a good job. Um, just kind of you know sticking to the game plan. They're calling one plays that work really well. I thought it was pretty funny when uh, Taylor Luan in the post game was like that penalty was not on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't. It was on the the, the whoever wide receiver whoever did, didn't cover him up. Um, so yeah, they're they're um, it's gonna be a big game this weekend because Baltimore presents some different challenges. New England's not a big um, kind of edge pressure team. They, if they if they bring pressure at all, it's kind of up the middle, and uh, they like to try to get. Um, you know, just kind of in the quarterback's face right up the middle. And, and Baltimore, it's not really their game. Baltimore's going to pressure you from every which way. So your protections have got to be really, really on point and, and knowing where you're going. So I'm really interested to see how they play. But they, they've done a good job. Um, you know, you really, you know, you, you don't go to New England and, and win games very often with poor offensive line play. Right, sure. Speaking of New England, Tom Brady, I think he'll be back because I think the Patriots and Brady are both going to figure out that's the best situation for each to be in, at least for one more year. Now, I was trying to think of other places he could go, and there are a few possible destinations out there, but I just don't see it. Like, I mean, I've seen guys that played their entire career plays, and I've seen Joe Montana in Kansas City and Michael Jordan with the Washington Wizards, so I know it can be done, but... I mean, Tom Brady in any other jersey but a Patriots jersey just seems unthinkable to me, and it feels like Robert Kraft's like, no, we're going to keep this guy. Yeah, we talked about this, I think, on, on Clay's show, just yeah. kind of a little bit about the future of this. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trending toward you. You know, Dan Orlovsky, who is great at ESPN, we had him on the radio the other day, he brought up, I think, a fairly important point. He goes, why would, why would now be the time Tom Brady wants to break the bank? Like, a four, like he's, he hasn't done it yet. Right. And I know the general consensus is that, well, because his wife makes a lot of money. I don't, I don't really buy that. I think that he just has a lot of take with money for fatigue reasons. He understands the purpose of that. So why now? Why now would he want to make all this money? Like, why would he demand to be paid, you know, wait, you know, market value, essentially, you know, make $35 million a year when he's never wanted to do that? He doesn't need the money, right? And so I'm with you all. I think that, that – that um, being able to to win is easiest in New England if they just get a couple pieces. I think yeah. New England and and Tom, and uh, Tom Brady will come to the realization that we can do this the best. Actually, look, I think that a spot could be Nashville too. I mean, I think the Titans could be a spot that you know Tom Brady could win at. But you know, the last thing I want to say here too is that I just I don't know. If Tom Brady, his age, wants to like have a new, a whole new, like a coach, quarterback, like a quarterback coach, a new training staff, like I don't think he wants all the stuff at that age. So, I think he stays. Yeah. See, and the other thing is, I don't know that he's fallen off a cliff completely either. It's not like he was playing awful football. Maybe he's not elite Tom Brady, but. The weapons point is the key point here. I mean, Edelman dropped a pass. That was about as unpatriot-like as it gets. But Tom Brady looked pretty daggone good the week he had Antonio Brown and when he had Josh Gordon out there. It's like when he didn't have anybody to throw to, I mean, Nikhil Harry, 
who's you know a rookie even though you like maybe what he can do he may he had a really bad day against the titans like they just don't have the horses around tom brady and maybe he can actually command that right now and say look go get me this guy go get me this guy and i'll go back out there and give you another season and maybe we'll have a shot at this to me the greatest issue that the Patriots had is that they never replaced Gronkowski. Look, I know you're not going to replace Gronkowski, but they didn't even like attempt to bring anyone in to do that. And so I think first and foremost, you find that guy, and you said, like you said, you add a couple pieces. And look, I think with Antonio Brown, they win, they win Saturday. I think with Antonio Brown, they're probably the, the one or two seed, right? I think, yeah. I think we all agree on that. Sure. So if, if there were one of the ways from making that happen, why would Tom Brady leave? Obviously, he came out with Instagram post. So he's not retiring. We all we all know that. Um, and look, it just his wife will want to move. His kids will want to move. I think it just makes sense to stay where they are and run it back. The Eagles. Wentz still hasn't won a playoff game. He got knocked out early. I saw that clowny hit. I watched the game late, and I hadn't been on Twitter, so I didn't see the reaction until afterwards. But I saw the hit. In slow motion, it looks really bad. I guess it doesn't look as bad in regular, but it's still, to me, I can't believe it wasn't flagged because it was a quarterback, and it was helmet to helmet, and it was from behind, and he slammed his head into the ground, basically. I'll take Jadevian at his word and say he wasn't trying to injure Carson Wentz, but my gosh, are you surprised that a quarterback in a playoff game like that didn't get the benefit of the doubt? I mean, I guess there are hierarchies and tiers, but he was at home, and there was no flag. Goodell was in attendance, and there was no flag. So this is an interesting point about um, uh, the, the the issue with, I think, slow motion replay. You know, in full speed, that doesn't look like a bad hit, right? In full speed, it looks like just a, a you know, regular tackle from Clowney. He doesn't make contact with the head. He's leaning with his shoulder. Um, you know, if you try to hit him in the back, he yes, asks, is that dirty? You know, some people say it's dirty. When you watch in slow motion, you see, obviously, the contact with the helmet to the helmet. And I don't think this would have been such a big deal if no one got hurt. I know that that's somehow how we rule these, you know, how we feel about it is whether somebody gets hurt or not. But if one doesn't get hurt, no one's in an uproar. I, I really don't see the, the issue for such a large uproar over this play other than he got hurt on it. The uh, Buffalo-Houston game, you ever seen anything more ridiculous? than the second half of that um, game in particular. But can, but can we just stop and ask how Bill O'Brien still has a job, and then we know the answer, and it's Deshaun Watson keeps bailing him out? I mean, the play that he made, yeah. I mean, Deshaun Watson is basically saving Bill O'Brien's job on an annual basis at this point. Bill O'Brien's had four home playoff games, and they've been shut out in three of the first four in the first half. So, like, that's just poor coaching. He's just not a good coach. And so, um, you know, Deshaun Watson, this is why I think they just get killed by the Chiefs, is that this is not very good. And um, he was watching just makes plays. Look, you're not going to – and this is the Bills' problem all season, and I think it's going to be – this is probably next season, too, is they, they cannot stretch leads out. So they played well in the first half, but only up 13 nothing. And eventually, Deshaun Watson is going to get going. Like, he's, he's just eventually going to get going. Like, that's, that's who he is. He's a great quarterback. And so it feels like um, that is um, – I mean, the Bills are the like Ravens. That, the Bills yeah. are the Ravens with Joe Flacco a couple of years ago, where Martindale's defense or Dean P's defense would keep people in check. But the margin for error is so much smaller when you're a defensive well, I'll you, team. I'll give you a better. The Bears. I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you. So the Bears. The, the Bills next season will be the Bears from this year and the Jaguars from last year. 
they'll be and they played like the the they like they played like fourteen quarterbacks at sixteen this year. They were just atrocious too. Like yep. a bunch of backups, below average guys. Like they just they didn't really play anyone this year and they're prime for uh, a situation where they fall backwards. They they just I just look, Josh, look, I get it. He makes a throw or two that's good, but I mean, you don't have consistency in the NFL. That's why Mariota's no longer playing. Well, they're very consistent. And Josh Allen, how do you rely on him to be consistent? He's shown now through two years he's not that guy. And then, then when things go poorly, he's laddering the ball out. He's just being doing stupid stuff. So um, I think you got to, of course, the Bills will, will you know, run it back with Allen, but I think they're primed for a major step back next year. Just going to stick around for the fourth segment as well. So a lot of Jeff Schwartz, and that's exactly what Nashville wants, I'm sure. We'll be right back here on 104.5 The Zone. Final segment of the program, we're brought to you by Renters Warehouse here on the Big Six. They are dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. If you haven't subscribed to the Big Six Podcast, please do that. Uh, first off, it's good for me. But second off, it's good for you because whatever time you're getting in and out of your car, maybe you're missing part of the show. And tonight, not a great time for that because I've had Jeff Schwartz with me for pretty much the last half hour, and he's sticking with us here in this final segment. He's on Twitter, at Jeff Schwartz, also the host of the Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You podcast. Jeff. Seattle and Green Bay. It's in Green Bay, which I guess gives the Packers a, a bit of an advantage there. It's Rodgers versus Wilson, but Rodgers hasn't played that well. It's been more them running the football and playing defense, and their defense might be enough to get them home. But this is a game where I don't know what to say about it, Jeff, mainly because I'm not sure whether either one of those teams is great or not. So I think it could potentially go either way. I think Seattle's point difference this year is five, plus five. So they barely outscore the teams they play. They play a lot of close games, you know, partly because, you know, they're just not as talented on defense as they've been in years past with Carroll. And uh, he's very conservative, with, you know, with his play calling. So um, it's hard to get a gauge sometimes on what they're going to do in a game. But they have Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson is able to cover up a lot of warts on this team. He is fabulous. I, I don't know if he gets the attention he deserves nationally because he plays in Seattle. But he is, I mean, he's a bona fide Hall of Famer. I mean, he is that good folks. I don't think we appreciate him as much because we look at the Legion of Boom that was there during the Super Bowl runs. We looked at the, the failure on fourth down, I guess, whatever, third down, and won the Super Bowl. And, and you know, we, I, think, I think he's, you know, Wilson can be goofy from time to time on social media. But, dude, he is a superstar. And his ability to, his ability to, Make the Seahawks right all the time is unbelievable. Yeah, DK Metcalf, you know, running, you were running downfield and making plays, and you know, Pete Carroll. It's so funny because Pete Carroll, I think, is is really falling behind the times with his ability to uh, to kind of manage. He's just so conservative, but it keeps working because the team just loves him and they play hard. And it feels like it validates this conservative, you know, nature of fourth down play calling and you know, going, you know, starting your game, you know, wanting to run the football so much. Um, but all that being said, I think Green Bay is just better. There's a better team than Seattle. They're at home, and they should handle business. Minnesota got a chance against San Francisco. Kirk Cousins, he wasn't going to be the reason that they lost, if they lost, but they didn't lose. Now they're going to San Francisco. We know how good that Niners team is, but Minnesota's got a lot of talent. Yeah, I think this game comes down to 
um, if Minnesota can withstand an early barrage from the Niners, uh, the Niners, I think, will come out uh, fairly excited for this game. And um, you know, there is a question, I think, too, how tight they might be, right? A lot of these guys have never played in this spot before, but you have two of your leaders on your team, Joe Staley, your left tackle, Richard Sherman, on the defensive side, who have been here before. And they know what it's like. And I think they'll be able to help their yeah, they're young players on, on what this feels like. Uh, and so if they can start fast and push the ball down the field, the Vikings' corners are not very good. The Saints just couldn't push the ball down the field, and that, that hurt them offensively. And lastly, the Niners are going with their old-school um, end-zone logo from, like, the 90s, yeah. the old rush logo. Yeah. So um, if, you're, if you're doing that, you're, and I think the Chiefs are doing their old uh, AFL logo, too, their old AFL end-zone. So, you know, if you're doing that type of stuff, you're for sure winning the game. Coaching hires, Mike McCarthy in Dallas, Joe, Joe Judge with the Giants, and where you're living in Charlotte, Matt Rule, which is certainly, I mean, that's a that's a nice win for David Tepper to land him, even though we don't know what Matt Rule's going to be in the pros. We know what he looks like in college right now, but particularly the Giants. Did they flat-out panic to make this Joe Judge hire? Because I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I looked it up and maybe I should have known, but I had no idea who this dude was until they announced that he was the new coach of the New York Giants. Yeah, I, I don't know who he was. Either. It does feel like they panicked only because of the timing. Like right after Matt Rule was announced, the Panthers head coach, all of a sudden the Giants have announced that they've hired a coach out of nowhere. And look, the thing with coaching hires is – we're often most wrong about these than anything else in football, right? Often the coach that we did not like, I think the last two years, last couple of years, you can look at, you know, Doug Pearson was not well-liked in Philly. Uh, Matt LaFleur was not exactly a popular hire in Green Bay. and He's 13-3 and with a two-seed. So I think when we look at coaches, we have to say, hey, you know, we got to give maybe a year to figure it out. But you'd like to have some pedigree of, of Joe Judge. I mean, I guess the idea is that he's a special teams coach and he, he has his hands on all parts of the team, which is fine. He does have his hands on all parts of the team. Don't get me wrong. Um, but he's just so young, and he's got to hire great coordinators. I, don't, I just don't know if he's ready for that. In Carolina, they're doing the, the press conference uh, right now in the bubble here in Charlotte, and everyone I've talked to in the college side who covers college football said Matt Rule is a home run hire for the Panthers. He is tough on his players, um, but he gets the most out of them. Um, he coaches them hard. They buy into him. He's genuine. He's forward-thinking. He embraces analytics and kind of biomechanical trends, and, and you're just, he just is a guy that is, is all in on football and the new wave of football. That's definitely what David Tepper wanted to do, and he paid for it. Look, he, he kind of reset the market paying rule all that money. But Tepper, well, I'm going to say this, Jason, is that, you know, who's the owner of the Titans is, is who? Uh, Amy Adams Strong. Okay, so, yeah, so the, uh, the, the the daughter, right? Yeah. So do they have, do they, what's their other business? Do they have another business or they just own the Titans? Uh, they've got, they've got their hands in various things. Right, so most owners own the team they have their hands in some other stuff. Well, David Tepper owns the Panthers and is also worth $8 billion. Right. right. Like, he's playing on a different playing field than every other. Like, like, Jerry Jones is rich. He's not David Tepper rich. But the only guy I think that's close in the owner circle is Stan Kroenke, who owns Walmart, or I think his wife does, and it's worth $7, billion, you know, $7 $8 billion. Like, David Tepper is a different type of rich. Like, he'll just 
Matt Rule, you want to come here? Okay, good. I'll pay you all this money. Who cares? And and um, I like to hire. I like to hire there. Is Cam going to be back? You know, this is the question. I think it's, it's a health thing. Um, does Matt Rule feel? I, I think. I think David Tepper has no attachment to Cam. So if he has, if Matt Rule says he's out, then Cam's out. I, I mean, there's no problem with that. But if Matt Rule feels he can win with Cam, I think he would give it a go and and be able to to start you know with with Cam and um, I don't think Rivera got enough credit for dealing with Cam and he's not, he's not he's not a bad guy. I think he's a, he's a good dude. He does great work in the community here in Charlotte, but he um, he can be you know, a little tough sometimes. And Rivera um, did a great job handling. It. I don't know if Matt Rule wants to do that. If he wants to put his faith in a quarterback who's often injured. Um, I think I would lean toward no, that he's not going to be here um, next year. Uh, but we'll see. You know, Matt Rule's got to make his, uh, his assessment on the roster. And then, of course, you saw Rivera a lot. That seems like a good hire for Washington. It's the kind of guy they have not had, kind of a CEO type, somebody with structure and organization. He's brought in some smart guys already. How much better do you think the Redskins can be with him? Well, I think they're, they're going to be a lot better. And what's really interesting about you know Ron taking this job is a lot of people thought, why Washington? And it kind of makes sense when you know Dan Snyder, for once, kind of did the right thing. He fired Bruce Allen. He uh, fired the training staff. So he allowed Ron Rivera to bring up everyone from the Panthers. Uh, basically, his almost his entire offensive defensive staff is up uh, in Carolina. You know, minus Jack Del Rio, the head trainer, Ryan Vermillion, or from the Panthers to the Redskins. He was able to bring over his infrastructure to the Redskins, and then also they don't have a GM right now, so Rivera is able to have more personnel control than he ever had in Carolina, which, again, coaches having personnel control is not always the best thing, but, um, you know, he, he's wanted this. He gets a little bit more, and, uh, you know, it's, it makes sense for, for Ron to go there. Daniel Snyder called him the first day Ron got fired. He wanted Ron from the start, and it's a really adult hire from Snyder. I, I just did not expect him you know, to go in this direction. For the Titans to win on Saturday in Baltimore, they must fill in the blank. I think they need to. Um, I mean, it's easy to always say force turnovers, but I'll give you. They need to hit AJ Brown on some play actions. Like they need to. They need to get some chunk yard plays against Baltimore, make Baltimore feel uncomfortable, which at times this year they have. And you know, the Niners game and the Bills game, and they they just didn't play um, as well. You know, kind of feeling a little bit uncomfortable. So I think I think making them uncomfortable is the way to do it, and that's going to be through I think you know getting some some big plays early, whether it's you know AJ Brown play action, whether it's a trick play or two. But I think making Baltimore really feel uncomfortable early in the game. Both teams I think are one and two in second half points per game. So you know we know that neither team will really I think be held down in the second half. But the Titans get a lead, it changes the way Baltimore has to play a little bit of offense. I think getting a fast start will be the biggest key. And then finally, wild card round was about as dramatic and fun to watch as we've seen in a long time. Those four games were all worth paying attention to for varying reasons. But you don't seem to – it feels like maybe the NFC games you think could be entertaining, but you don't have that feel for the AFC. But at least we got a good wild card weekend. Can you remember a wild card weekend that was that entertaining? No, because normally it starts with a Saturday game. And yeah. It tends to be pretty boring. Yeah. The early one. And that one, obviously, um, you know, Bills come out first drive, uh, trick play to score a touchdown. And it was pretty awesome to see. Uh, I can't remember. No, I really don't. I really it was so funny. People were tweeting, like, I don't remember uh, a weekend where two, two playoff games go into overtime. And you're like, well, 
you mean the other last weekend of the season last year, right? Like right. it happened before. Um, I just, it was a great week. Look, this is a great time of year for football, right? We have um, obviously the CFB playoff is Monday, and it feels like it's been eight weeks since they last played, and yeah. we get uh, you know four playoff games this weekend, and we got uh, you know recruiting college football and coaching moves, and there's just a lot happening. It's, it's a fun time of year. You got LSU or Clemson Monday. Um, I I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna bet Clemson um plus the points, but I, I think LSU's just had it one of those years where everything's going their way. It's just a magical year, and it's not to take any credit away from their players and their coaches, but it just feels like their year right now. Um, it would surprise me if Clemson won. I think it's a close game. I'll take I think it's six right now. I I bet Clemson plus six, but I think in the end LSU does enough to win. Well, we only have an hour, so we're out of time here. Jeff's on Twitter, at Jeff Schwartz. Jeff, go see 1917, man. I'm telling you, that movie's incredible. Incredible. All right, I'll I'll get on it. Yeah, I saw a movie for the first time three years the other day, so... Yeah, Uncut Gem. So, yeah, I'll go I'll go see 19. Who doesn't like a good war movie? It's fantastic. Yeah, this one's different than anything you've ever seen before. And I saw Uncut Gems right before I saw 1917. I saw I screened them both on the oh, same they, day. Okay, so everyone everyone said that they were anxious watching Uncut Gems because Adam Sandler's character would never stop moving. Yes. That, never, that, didn't, that, didn't, that didn't bother me. Did that bother you? Yeah, a little bit. But that's what the Safdie brothers, the directors of this film, do. I don't know that I will ever watch another Safdie brothers movie. Like, it's not that I didn't like this. I thought Sandler's performance was outstanding. But yeah, it was so it was so frantic and hard to watch because of the content and the language and everything that was going on around it. I could see why that would be a complaint. This is the best way I know to describe it after watching it. It is an abrasive movie. It is very coarse. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. The ending is wild. Like, yeah, it is. Seen it, like it's. I was. I was. Some of those movies, like I'm pretty. I'm pretty good at guessing the ending of movies, like halfway through. Like okay, but I kept thinking to myself, like it wasn't going to end as clean as it appeared to end. I'll just. I'll leave it right there. Like it's. It's. I had a feeling like okay, it, it can't end this good because it's not one of those movies. It breaks the movie, right? It's not going to end as good as they're setting it up to end. So how's it going to finish? And boy, was I, I was surprised. It's a good movie. Yeah, it didn't surprise me. It's exactly what I thought was going to happen. But that's because I've seen oh, these oh, guys really? act before. I've seen their movies okay, before. See, I, 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 have, I haven't. So obviously, I mean, I probably have. I just I don't follow it like you do. But um, entertaining. It was good. Yeah, I liked it. All right. Well, hopefully these games will be good. Uh, we'll be. I'm sure we'll catch up over the next couple of weeks or so, Jeff. Always appreciate the time. All right, take care, bud. Have a good one. Thanks, man. You too. All right, we are definitely out of time. I'll see you tomorrow night. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless, and good night from the Music City.